Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of the Blue Bloods. Uh, the Blue Bloods is a podcast about college football, um, recorded by two guys in college uh, who love college football, grew up watching it. Um, and we are going to go ahead and uh, give our analysis on week zero and our preview on week one of the college football season of 2019. My name is Brandon and my co-host Zach is also here. Uh, we're going to go ahead and give some of our picks now and let's get started. going to look into the uh we're going to look into the matchups for the weekend um who's playing who uh we're going to do a recap on last weekend's uh terrible terrible matchups um so let's go ahead and kick this off uh zach you want to go ahead and start talking about last weekend's matchup between florida and miami yeah man there's a lot of hype for that game and i mean i guess if you're looking for a close game it lived up to it but if you were looking for offensive line play it definitely did not live up to it well, I think that it was a, a uh, it, it was a very close game. Uh, I would not consider this to be a good game. Uh, it was more of a game where the last team to have the ball was going to lose it somehow, and Miami did it. Um, Florida, let's let's start with Florida, number eight ranked Florida. Um, and I and I told you before the season even started, uh, I thought Florida was going to be a garbage fire, and and it turns out that's exactly what they were. Um, Felipe Franks is still Felipe Franks, believe it or not. Uh, he's a uh, he, he's not a great quarterback. I, I mean, he, he's I, I hardly think he's an SEC caliber quarterback. Uh, he, he made a few really bad decisions. Uh, they looked strong from the jump, but once the second quarter rolled around, it, it was all downhill from there. Yeah, I mean, I, he really looks like a Tim Tebow without heart. To be honest with you. Yeah, I see that. And he's just like big and clumsy. If it wasn't for Kadarius Tony, number one, that kid is a stud, and that kid could start on any team in the country, and they're going to have to lean on his athleticism a lot. Right. Um, Florida was only a one touchdown favorite. Uh, they ended up winning the game twenty four to twenty, uh, which ruined ruined the spread for a lot of people who bet on Florida this past weekend. Uh, I couldn't relate. Uh, I, I couldn't even imagine anybody who would have bet on Florida this past weekend. Definitely not me. Um, but one player I did see that stood out uh, amongst the crowd would be DJ Dallas, uh, the junior running back out of Miami. It, it seemed like he could not be tackled by Florida's defense. And I don't know if that's uh, if that's props to him or if that's just a terrible Florida defense that we uh, that we were witnessing this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, he's talented. I mean, Miami has a lot of talent, but. I, th- I really think that was more Florida not tackling because they didn't seem to be tackling absolutely anybody at right. all. Right. And I think that's going to come back to haunt them in SEC play when they have to go up against teams like Georgia who have three to four bats that are better than that kid. And, right. I mean, I think Miami will eventually in the season lean more on uh, the, the freshman quarterback that they started. Um, his name is – Slipping from my mind, but I think uh, that kid has a lot of potential. Right, uh, Dallas with twelve rushing attempts for for ninety five yards and a touchdown this past week. Uh, not only that, but uh, four receptions for thirty seven yards. He kind of seems like a dual threat uh, at this point of the season, at least. Um, 
I, I overall, I think this was a uh, I, we we experienced pretty sloppy play from both sides. Uh, it, it didn't seem as though either team was ready uh, for this matchup. No, not at all. And I mean, uh, you expect week one matchups to be very sloppy, especially when you have offensive lines that are very young and you have a a redshirt freshman quarterback. And it's a big robbery game like that. People come out way too fired up, and people they just they don't focus on their assignment. They try to do too much, and I think you saw a lot of that in the game. Right, right. Uh, let's move on to Week One matchups. Uh, game starting tonight. Um, let's go ahead and kick this off with the game that I think everybody's looking forward to tonight the most. Uh, that is Clemson, Georgia Tech. And, and my main takeaway from this game is that Georgia Tech is no longer primarily a triple option team. Uh, we've seen in the past about decade that Georgia Tech has been strictly a triple option team. Uh, this year they're taking that away, and I'd like to see how Clemson reacts to this. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll have any problem. I mean, Clemson lost a lot of defensive talent, as I'm sure we all know, three first-round draft picks and multiple later-round draft picks from that defense. But Brett Venables, the D coordinator, always is ready and loaded with new young talent. Um, but I, I think the triple option, like getting rid of it, is a very good decision for Georgia Tech because it, they always upset somebody because they weren't ready for the triple option. But they never they never were a consistent enough team, especially in like this past in the past few years. They haven't been an, in national like in the national spotlight and so i think the move to a more spread attack with a lot more passing will help their recruiting and help them you know maybe reach the top 25 or compete in the acc right you see you see teams uh, more and more teams uh, throughout the years implementing a spread offense um teams that have been primarily a pro style offense for the past georgia tech in this instance was a triple option offense of course um but I, I, you know, like I said, I'd like to see how Clemson uh, reacts to this, especially with the four uh, D linemen being replaced from last season. Uh, they've got, you know, they've got new fresh talent starting on uh, their defensive line, and uh, I, I can see Georgia Tech coming out strong, uh, maybe scoring on the first drive, but I don't see much more than that from this team. No, not not at all. I I don't see this being a very close game, and by that I mean I don't see it being within three to four touchdowns. No, there's um, no way. With Because Georgia Tech has a new head coach this year, Jeff Collins. He's from Temple. He, The Temple is really strong under him, but this this Clemson team has the chance to be something really special. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, is, is the best quarterback in college football, and I would say even if he was in the NFL this year, might be a top-ten quarterback. He is that good, and I think – Throughout this year, he's going to set some records and really open some eyes that might be downing him. Right, and to play off of that, uh, did you see that Urban Meyer uh, definitely never going to coach again? He's, he's retired, uh, but he was just wearing his Florida shirt at the Florida Miami game last weekend. Uh, did you see that he dubbed Trevor Lawrence the best college quarterback of all time? Yeah, and then he he, he went back on his statement, but the slip of the tongue said a lot. And, <laughs> no, uh, and, and when I was watching it, I was just like, "Is this man insane? Did he forget about players like Tim Tebow? Did he forget about players like Vince Young?" Um, it, it 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 is absolutely insane to call a quarterback who who didn't even start for a full season last year the best college quarterback of all time. Yeah, I, I, he jumped the gun a little bit, as I think a lot of people have jumped the gun. 
I mean, and there's some people who think I've even jumped the gun with calling him the best quarterback in college football. But I don't think there's an argument that can be made that some that someone is definitively better than him. Right. Um, so looking deeper into this game, uh, I think that we have to uh, pick on a few uh, different players, primarily on my list from Clemson. Uh, of course, we have Trevor Lawrence, who is probably the best quarterback in college football right now. Um, keep an eye on him. See how he does this season. Uh, you know, of course, there's talks about is he, a, you know, is he a one-hit wonder? Was last year his one good year? I, I definitely don't think so. I think he's way more talented than that. Uh, but keep an eye on players like Travis Etienne, uh, who is their junior running back, and he's a Heisman candidate this year as well. There's two Heisman candidates in that backfield. How crazy is that? Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising. I mean. You're talking about a team that has literal talent everywhere. I mean, they have two they have two wide receivers that have the argument to be the best wide receiver in the country in Justin Ross and T, and T. Higgins. And that D-line is reloading in a big way with Xavier Thomas out of Florida, who is a sophomore, 6'3", 260 kid out of IMG. Right. And he was the number one strong side defensive end last year and the number three player in the country. And right. They're talking about he he could be better than any of the players on the D line from last year. Absolutely, and, and I'd like to uh, point out that Justin Ross is stepping up in a big way. Keep an eye on him as he's being moved to number two receiver uh, because of the injury to Amari Rogers this offseason. Um, not only that, but watch out for Georgia Tech this weekend picking on cornerback. Uh, Darian Kendrick, who was actually a wide receiver last year, switched to cornerback uh, this season because I just cannot see them throwing to the same side of the field as A.J. Terrell this weekend. Yeah, definitely not. And I'm inter- and especially with – I don't know how developed their passing attack will be with only a, a, like a small handful of spring practices and a little bit of fall practice, like fall camps. I don't, I don't think they're going to come out and try to air raid Clemson. And I believe it's going to be really hard to run the ball on Clemson. Plus, it's always – it cannot be stated enough that Death Valley is a top three college football environment. Oh, absolutely. Nowadays. Absolutely. And it's going to be tough going in there Thursday night primetime and be balanced enough to really knock off this team. Right. Um, and – uh, to wrap up with this Clemson-Georgia Tech uh, matchup, I, I'd just like to say I think that Clemson definitely covers the spread. Uh, they win by a million this weekend. I, I, I see no way that Georgia Tech can even ke- uh, be close to keeping up with this Clemson team. Yeah, uh, the, I, I, will, I will second that. I have Clemson just dominating this game, and I will be shocked if you see Trevor Lawrence play more than two to three quarters. Absolutely, absolutely. So to move on, uh, there is one more game tonight. Uh, that is Utah-BYU. Uh, my prediction is obviously Utah for this one, the number 14 ranked team in the nation. Um, is this the pick that you have as well? I also have Utah, and it's from a combination of things. I mean, Zach Moss, the running back, is an absolute stud, and people are considering him a sleeper Hosman contender. He I has see two that. straight 1,000-yard seasons, 21 touchdowns the past two years, and literally scored a touchdown in every single game but one last year. 
and that stacked on top of uh, on top of Utah's dominant defense. I mean, we're talking about the number yes. one defense in the Pac-12 last year, only allowing 100 yards per game. That is absolutely crazy. Uh, e- even if it's a if it's a weaker Pac-12 than we're used to, um, you know they they are nothing to sleep on. I think that Utah's defense will really show out in this game. I think it'll be a low scoring affair. Um, and uh, not only that, but they're returning several starters on their defense, not, and not only defense, but their offense as well. They're returning 15 starters this season. Yeah. And this and is a, this is a, a pretty people, dominant Utah team. Yeah, and a lot of people are picking them to go to the playoffs. I mean, I've, I've seen multiple people say that they're going to go to the playoffs and knock off some big teams, and that always puts added pressure, but I just don't see this being a game where they slip up. No, no, no. Uh and I actually didn't know this uh, until I did a little bit more research on this matchup tonight. Uh, did you know that the Utah-BYU matchup is dubbed the Holy Land rivalry? I did not. Dude, I that's insane, that right? Some, I did know there was some trash talk, though, where a Utah player um, said that nothing's more intimidating than going, going and playing in front of 60,000 silver white people. <laughs> oh, my God goodness dude that that <laughs> not, not only that i think what's really intimidating is playing against a team full of 25 year olds um yeah, and definitely. honestly and this comes off as a joke but I, I i truly think that byu's team uh has been historically a decent uh a decent squad because they are they are older than most other college teams yeah definitely and i mean they're they're always in games you don't see a lot of byu games where they get beat by 50 Right, no, 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 no. Uh, but I do think this will be a low-scoring affair. Um, it always is every single year, year in and year out. Uh, I could see this game being uh, maybe maybe a seventeen to ten win for Utah. Yeah, I can see that. I, I would. I think they scrape by by more than that. If I had to put a score on it, I would say it'd be 31-17 with Utah scoring late, just on the back of their running back. Right, right. Uh, and moving on from tonight's matchups, we'll look at Friday night. Uh, with the one major matchup that we're looking at is Wisconsin and South Florida. Um, uh, and, and I've picked Wisconsin for this matchup. Uh, it, it kind of seems like I'm choosing the favorites in every matchup here. But but uh. <laughs> this is honestly a Wisconsin team that uh, they, they look like they can bounce back from last season. You know, it wasn't a terrible season last year. But, uh, you know, coming in with Jack Cohen named the starter, uh, uh, last season, he only played in five games, but he had five touchdowns and 515 yards in those five games that he played in, and he was not the starter. Yeah, um, we disagree on this one. I actually have UCF upsetting Wisconsin. Oh, wow. Um, I, I really think it's a combination of it's a long trip for Wisconsin. You have a Friday night primetime game in South Florida, so the environment should really be on point. We've seen that crowd get crazy for UCF games and – I mean, they show up even though it's not a Power 5 opponent. And I think there's a little bit of um, ACC pride on it um, with that conference with UCF and USF and Memphis. They all feel very disrespected, and this is their chance to really come out and make a point about that, hey, we shouldn't be left out of the playoffs. And I really think that's going to make a difference. And I think losing Alex Hornbrook from Wisconsin is going to be a lot more important than people are making it seem like. No, I do think the one thing we need to watch for is this QB battle in uh, Wisconsin. Jack Cohen was named the starter, but there is a uh, upcoming true freshman, uh, Graham Mertz, who was 
a lot of people feel uh, that that he was disrespected in this in this pick of Jack Cohen over him. Uh, they think that J- that Graham Mertz is actually that good, uh, but I think that the driving factor for Wisconsin this weekend will be the running back Jonathan Taylor, uh, 2,200 yards on the season last year. I mean that's nothing to, that's nothing to laugh at. Uh, over his 27 career starts, 22 of those games have been 100 yard rushing efforts. Uh, unless this USF offense really can step it up. I, I don't see a way that they can stop Jonathan Taylor this weekend. Yeah, I, like I put, I, I think the matchup to watch is um, Wisconsin's O line versus USF's D line. Wisconsin has a long history of having just outstanding offensive lines, which is why they've turned out three or four straight NFL caliber running backs, and they just get pushed to the forefront by this offensive line. And UCF has to win this matchup if they're going to stay competitive and win this game. If they are getting blown off the ball and Wisconsin's running for two, 300 yards this game, UCF will not pull the upset. Right. And USF, this is a team that, that started out last season 7-0 and uh, and lost out the rest of the season. They finished 7-6. and uh, you, you really think this Charlie Strong squad can turn it around, though? Yeah, I do. I, I, I actually have more faith than most people in Charlie Strong. I think bad rap for his time at Texas and but I really think that the ACC has something to prove and I think that's really the factor that I I I think that drew me toward picking this as one of my upsets this week now Wisconsin is a 13 and a half point favorite in this game I do not think that they cover that spread I think that they win but I think that it's by a small margin uh I, I honestly think they could even win by a field goal in this one uh, yeah, I, I have, feel like Wisconsin I have, is. I feel like Wisconsin's always a huge favorite to start the season, and then they kind of disappoint a lot of folks. Uh, I, I do think that they finish this season ranked. I, I don't see them, you know, ranked in the top twenty at the end of this year. No, I don't either. I I, I think this is just going to be like an eight and four ish type year for them, and I think that this quarterback controversy could get them, and especially if they end up actually losing this game to UCF, I think it could be foreshadowing a very, very long and grueling season for this team. Absolutely. Any more thoughts on this game? No, man. I, I just, I, just <laughs> everyone mark it down. UCF will win this game Friday night. All right. So let's move on to Saturday and let's start with the game of the week, college game day, Auburn versus Oregon in AT&T stadium in Dallas. Uh, let's go ahead and hear your prediction for this one. Um, I actually have Auburn. Um, I have Auburn. Figures. I would say, I would say thirty-one seventeen. Thirty-one late. Very specific. Scoring late, and um, I, I I really think the matchup to watch is the line of scrimmage, the O line versus the D line, and Oregon has to win this matchup. If Oregon does not win this matchup, it might be even uglier. You have three potential first-round picks on Auburn's defensive line. And Justin Herbert is a great quarterback, and I think he'll be— Fantastic quarterback. He's my Heisman favorite. And I really think he's the the top or the second-best quarterback upcoming in the draft. I would have him and Jake Fromm one and two, uh, and you could argue either way. And But how— how helpful is that if he has no time to throw? If he's on the ground, it doesn't matter how good of a quarterback you are. And as we saw with Florida-Miami the other night, 
the quarterback can play as good as he wants, but if he gets sacked six, seven times, it really is not going to make a big difference. So I think that matchup is going to be a huge one, and that matchup alone will determine who wins this game. Uh, my players to watch for this one, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say Bo Nix, the freshman quarterback in Auburn, uh, who won the starting job over Joey Gatewood this offseason. Uh, he was named the starter about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Uh, I really, I would really like to see how he performs. Uh, I don't see him playing a full game if if maybe Auburn goes down early. I, I see uh, Joey Gatewood getting thrown in there in that case. Uh, and, and the thing to remember is that this is an Auburn squad uh, with with Gus Malzahn, their head coach, on the hot seat this season, uh, there have been rumors that he's going to be fired for the past few seasons. And I, if he doesn't pull together um, maybe a nine and three record, a ten and two record, uh, I could honestly see him gone from this uh, from this school very soon. Yeah, the only way I see him getting away with like an eight and four record is if they lose some games early, but they come back and beat Georgia and Alabama at home like he did two years ago. He will save his job if he does that, but I agree with you that he needs to get to nine, nine, ten, eleven wins this year and compete right. for the SEC. But I really, it's an interesting fact is that Bo Nix is the first freshman to start at Auburn since the 1940s. I heard that today, and that's absolutely. I mean, that that yeah. had me floored. It, it, and back then, it was just because of World War II, where we had the like there weren't enough football players to go around, so a running back had to play quarterback. It was. It's a different time, but I think the big, <laughs> thing to, <laughs> the big thing to show is that, that, that needs to be noted is that Oregon's lost four wide receivers to injury this fall camp. That, that is an insane number. Um, and, and they're all supposed to be out for an indefinite amount of time except one, which is probable for Saturday, which is huge when it comes to that their strength is Justin Herbert and the passing game. Right. Uh, I, I could honestly see Justin Herbert pulling it out. Uh, as long as you have a great quarterback in your pocket, you could have mediocre receivers as long as they aren't dropping those balls. If they can hold on to the ball, I really think that, uh, that Oregon can move this uh, can move this game along. You know, and I also have Auburn picked as my favorite twin this weekend. Um, I, I can really see them uh, pulling this one out, especially against this this you know self dubbed Oregon best offensive line of the nation. Uh, I think that Nick Coe would have a few words to say with them. Is that is agree. that fair to say? I agree, and I don't even think Nick Coe is going to be their biggest problem. Derrick Brown might be might have a claim to be the best defensive tackle in, the, in college football. I mean, yeah, that's... he was supposed to be a top ten pick last year, and he and he decided to come back, and that's that's huge when considering Auburn already lost a lot of their starters, like. They lost all three of their starting linebackers last year to right. the draft. So having that force in the middle to ease up and open those holes for the linebackers to go make plays is huge. Absolutely. Um, and this is an Oregon team that is returning 10 offensive starters, seven defensive starters, and it's a squad that went 9-4 and four last season. Uh, I, I honestly just... I can't put any strength behind that behind that comment just because they're playing in a pretty weak Pac-12 uh, conference. Right, and they were very up and down last year. As if you remember, their bowl game was a seven to six win over Michigan State. It right. was a very sloppy and not very exciting game. And I really think 
that Justin Herbert needs to come out this year and assert himself as the type of star player that everyone else does. Absolutely, absolutely. Any more thoughts on this Auburn matchup? No, all, all I got to say is war down, man. Auburn's going to pull it out. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, let's move on to uh, to the Chick-fil-A kickoff game, which is Alabama-Duke this year for whatever reason. Uh, I, I think this is a ridiculous matchup for the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. It seems like it's always a better uh, better game than this, right? I mean, and Duke wasn't helped out that Daniel Jones was a senior and left because if he's if he's back this year, they might have a prayer. And now I don't even see how this game is competitive, even with all the injuries to Alabama's linebackers and they have four starters suspended. I still don't see this game being competitive whatsoever. Right. And and to to touch on that, linebacker Dylan Moses tore his ACL this week at practice, uh, ruled out for the season. And this is absolutely devastating to this Alabama defense. Um, I mean, this is something that that none of us want to see. Ever. No, and Alabama already had injuries to other linebackers. So they're actually, Nick Saban announced yesterday that they're starting two true freshmen at linebacker. Oh, wow. Which which is huge, and it's a good thing that they're playing Duke because if they were playing the team like Clemson or Oregon or someone like that, this could be a way bigger problem. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I'd love to see how they fare in SEC play this season. Um even with the injuries, even with uh, with everything going on on Alabama's lineup, they're still a 34 and a half point favorite in this in this Chick Fil A kickoff game. Um, we see we see a lot of returning players on Alabama's uh, on Alabama's team this season. Of course, we've got Tua Tagovailoa. Um, and, and honestly, and here here's a take: uh, I I don't think that Tua is that great of a quarterback. I think he's a very athletic football player. Uh, but I, I can't see him succeeding uh, you know, very long in the future. No, he's not making the NFL. He reminds me a lot of Tim Tebow with the thorough motion and everything. Because Tim Tebow threw it all over the field in college, but his mechanics weren't there. And as you saw with Tua, when, when big games came around and there were some real defenses, he struggled a lot. In games oh, absolutely. Georgia and Clemson, he got I mean, absolutely exposed. Yes, especially in the SEC championship from 2018, from last season, uh, we see we see Tua going down with an injury. But before this injury, I mean, he he wasn't playing great by any means. No, he was like three for twelve with like 20 yards. I mean, it and was one of the worst SEC championship performances of all time. And that's with Alabama's receivers. Uh, their receiving core is nothing to laugh at. That's an absolute. I mean, they they really have produced in the past few seasons uh, with their receiving core. Yeah, uh, we see running back Najee Harris returning this season as well. Uh, Jerry Judy is going to be a player to watch, uh, I believe, uh, in this game especially. Uh, I'd like to see how he performs this season uh, after going off on an absolute monstrous season last year with Alabama. Yeah, he's going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft, if not number one, depending on what team gets the number one pick. I mean, the kid is an absolute stud. And he is easily one of the fastest players in college football and is not even a discussion. No, no. Uh, one one other player that I would like to spotlight in this matchup would be Alex Leatherwood. This is uh, Alabama's starting left tackle. Alabama is returning two starting O-linemen from last season, and that's it. They've, um, 
They have Alex Leatherwood, and they also have Jedrick Wills uh, starting at right tackle. Um, Leatherwood was actually the right guard last season. He's being moved to left tackle to uh, to try and protect Tua a little bit in the backfield this season. Uh, I think it's a smart move. Uh, putting putting the younger, uh, less experienced linemen on the interior of this line. Yeah, I mean the kid's a stud. He start, he has started since he was a freshman, and I mean you can't go wrong. You can never have too many left tackles that can protect the quarterback. You can't have any too many offensive linemen, especially with an injury prone quarterback like Tua. Absolutely, it, it, it has, and especially in the SEC where you have D, D line, defensive lines that have. Like four, three to four NFL caliber players every single SEC game. Right, and, and Duke is obviously going to struggle. Uh, I, I think this season with the loss of Daniel Jones in the first round of this year's NFL draft, um, we see Quentin Harris taking snaps for Duke this year. He was named the starter, and he is more of a mobile quarterback. I, you know, Daniel Jones was a pocket passer who could also move a little. Uh, we're going to see a totally different offense from Duke this season uh, with Quentin Harris taking the snaps. Yeah, and I, I think that was strategy by uh, David Cut- Cutcliffe. Because um, if you look at historically, other than Trevor Lawrence and Jake Fromm, the only quarterbacks to really beat Bama or give them problems are mobile quarterbacks like Cam Newton, Nick Marshall, um, and like, types of quarterbacks like that. And even um, the kid from Ole, the kid from Ole Miss. Um, Kelly, he was still mobile enough to give you fits with his legs, and so I totally think this is a this is a move by Duke to try to give them the best chance to even come close to being competitive in this game. Right, right, right. Uh, and to wrap this matchup up, I think that Alabama wins this game. Uh, and honestly, I could see them covering this spread, this thirty-four and a half point spread. Uh, I don't think this game will be close. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, I, I really don't think that I am. Yeah, it, it, I don't see it, and I see them covering, and I'd be shocked if, just like the Clemson game um, Friday uh, tonight, actually, um, I don't see Tua and the starters playing past the second and quarter, especially with all the injuries that Bama's been experiencing. They're going, they're going to want to protect their guys at all costs for the tough SEC slate ahead. Right. Uh, Kicking off Saturday will be Ole Miss Memphis starting at uh, twelve eleven Central. Uh, we see an Ole Miss team that has struggled defensively over the past uh, over the past season, at least over last season. Um, they were actually ranked dead last in the SEC last year in terms yeah. of defensive efficiency. Yeah, they were actually ranked one hundred and twentieth in defense last year in the Holy nation. Cow. That that is insane. And that's that's actually my matchup to watch is the Ole Miss defense versus the Memphis offense. Memphis was had the fifth ranked offense last year in total yards. Oh and wow! And they're not slowing down at all. They're they have the same head coach. The only difference is the offensive coordinator is now at Auburn and Kenny Dillingham. But there's been a lot of turnover at Memphis, and the offense is one thing that has never slowed down under Mike Norval. He's an offensive-minded head coach, and everywhere he's been has been a high-flying, we're going to put 50 up on you, offense, and that's actually why I'm picking Memphis to upset Ole Miss this week. I've got Memphis picked as well. Uh, uh, you know, we, we see an Ole Miss team who lost three offensive linemen, three starters from last season, um, and Jordan Tiamu taking the snaps. Uh, 
Jordan Talmud's, uh, you know, he's he's not your stereotypical quarterback. Uh, he's uh, he's not you're just not your pocket passer, but he can light up the scoreboard he, uh, if he has time in the backfield. Uh, I I'd like to see how this how this Ole Miss uh, offensive line reacts to this uh, to a to a Memphis defense. Um, I I'd, I'd love to see if they can light up the scoreboard the way they did last year because that's an easy that's an easy hit for the over. Yeah, and. I think something that's not talked about enough is the SEC focuses a lot on how Auburn's Gus Malzahn is on the hot seat. But I really think if Matt Luke loses control of this team in the season and they go five and seven, six and six, something like that, Matt Luke could lose his job this year and Ole Miss could look to go in another direction. Right, right. Um, the over under this game is 68 points. That is absolutely insane. You never see that. Um, but I guess when you've got an Ole Miss team, uh, an, old, an Ole Miss defense especially, going up against this Memphis offense, I mean, that's two electric offenses. This, those are two offenses that can put up you know, put up 40 points in a game easily. Yeah, it, it's that. And honestly, if I was betting on this game, I would might have to pick the over because the first game of the year, the offense always has the advantage. And I can see this game exploding in the first half. And they might cover it before halftime. <laughs> that would be that would be a treat. That would be a treat for all of us out here. Uh, moving on, uh, we have UCLA Cincinnati on Saturday as well. Um, I have I have Cincinnati picked in this matchup. Um, this is a UCLA team that's coming off of a off of a, a three and nine season last year under head coach Chip Kelly. Um, this will be the first season that we actually see Chip Kelly's recruits um, having any playtime, but I don't think that it'll be enough to catch up with Cincinnati's offense. No. Just a note, UCLA Cincinnati is tonight at 6 o'clock. Wanted to give everyone that info. But I think the must-watch player tonight will be Cincinnati's quarterback, who was the the AAC Newcomer of the Year last year. And he just lit up the AAC which is hard to which is hard to be the newcomer of the year because you have so many offenses like USF, UCF, and Memphis that might overshadow a team like Cincinnati. And for this kid to get that much shine is very impressive. And that's this is Desmond Ritter that you're talking about, and he is a true sophomore quarterback. Uh, last season alone, he was 62 uh, percent. He had a 62 percent completion rate. He went 194 for 311 for 2,500 yards and 20 touchdowns. Only five interceptions on the year. That this these are these are great numbers. Um, these are, you know, and I hate to say it, these are Heisman type numbers. Um, you know, I don't I don't see Desmond Ritter in the Heisman race this year, but these these are nothing to laugh at. These are serious numbers coming from the sophomore quarterback. Yeah, he's very very impressive, and I think a storyline that a lot of people are trying to ignore this early in the season is that Cincinnati actually won this game last year 26 to 17 on the road in California and I really think if they pull it out UCLA could be in for a long road and this could spell the end of Chip Kelly I I could honestly I'd see that um, from a certain perspective I, I don't think that UCLA will uh, will pull the trigger on firing coach Kelly quite yet. 
Uh, I don't think that he's had time to develop this team. You know, over last season, we see we see UCLA's offense developing uh, a little bit. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do this season. Um, and Cincinnati will be a great test of that. Uh, I'd like to see what uh, what offseason work has been put in uh, with this offense, uh, with with sophomore quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson, who was not a bad quarterback last year. Uh, his he had a 57 percent completion rate with seven touchdowns. You know those aren't great numbers, but for a true freshman, that's not, not bad at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm really I'm really interested to see his growth under Chip Kelly because we saw it at Oregon that quarterbacks would grow over time, but. It just seems like the recruiting that that Kelly had, the prowess of drawing kids in, just isn't there at UCLA. Oregon would have top recruiting classes constantly year after year, and now it just kind of seems like they just kind of get the leftovers after USC, Oregon, Arizona State, Washington all pick out who they want, and they just kind of get the leftovers. And I think that is finally going to catch up with them and UCLA is going to be in for a long year. No, I think they, I think they definitely are. Um, to wrap up thoughts on this game. Um, we see Luke fickle. Um, that's Cincinnati's head coach. He's a very defensive minded coach. I think that Cincinnati has the edge on offense and defense in this one. Uh, I don't see this game even being close. Yeah, I don't either. I think it's going to shock a lot of people, but I think Cincinnati absolutely puts a foot in UCLA and it's going to catch a lot of people's eyes. So, Definitely be looking for the highlights of this game on SportsCenter because I think Cincinnati is about to light up the scoreboard. And watch for Cincinnati this year. Uh, they could be a dark horse in this AAC conference. Uh, you know, with with a team like UCF who's been running the you know running the tables against this conference for the past two years. Maybe not, but but watch for them. I, th- I think that they'll be a team to watch for this season for sure. Agreed. All right, and move on to Sunday's matchups. Uh, the, the one that we're going to focus on is this Oklahoma-Houston game. Uh, quarterback Jalen Hurts, uh, a transfer from Alabama last season, is going to be taking the snaps for Oregon's offense, an offense that has produced two Heisman quarterbacks in two years. Yeah, uh, I, I think he might be a little overrated. Uh, I think expecting Heisman is a little high. I don't think he is near the passer that Baker Mayfield was. But I do think he is a better player than Kyler Murray, just not as athletic. And I think he's less flashy than Kyler Murray, which might hurt his husband hopes. Because I think a lot of what Kyler Murray did was so flashy that you he got that notoriety on SportsCenter constantly. we got to talk about this play. We have to talk about that play. Did you see that? Did you see this? And that's what truly drives the Hosman campaign. And I don't think Jalen Hurts is flashy enough to – get that notoriety that Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray got. No, absolutely not. But I mean, let's look at his, you know, let's look at his statistics over the past couple of years at Bama. Uh, in 2016, as a true freshman, he had two, he had 2,780 passing yards. That is, that's, I mean, that, that is no joke. Uh, 23 touchdowns. And he, you know, he led the team to a national, I mean, they didn't win the national championship, but he led them to the national championship versus Clemson, a very close, a very great game. Uh, that year and in 2017 uh, you know he passed for far less yards this is the year that he was replaced by Tua in the national championship versus Georgia Uh, he had 2100 passing yards 17 touchdowns but a single interception Uh, we we see nothing but consistency from uh, from the quarterback here I mean 63% passing in 2016 and 61% passing in 2017 
Uh, you know, I don't think he'll be in the Heisman conversation. I agree with you there, but I'd, I'd love to see what he does in this offense. So Lincoln Riley really seems to produce great quarterbacks. Yeah, he has his handprints all over the, the offense, and it makes sense because he was the offensive coordinator with, under Bob Stoops, and they've realized how great of a job he is. And young up-and-coming coaches like that, have been really popular lately, even in the NFL. When you look at someone like Sean McVay, young offensive-minded coaches are the popular move for a lot of teams. And the only thing I'm interested to see is is how long can he keep it going? Because if you think about it, all three of these guys have been transfers, the past three guys. You have Baker Mayfield coming from Texas Tech. You have Kyler Murray coming from A&M. You have Jalen Hurts coming from Alabama. I mean, they're all three very talented, but how much is Lincoln Riley responsible for developing them? And so I'm really interested to see after Jalen Hurts, and maybe if Jalen Hurts, you know, doesn't play the whole game or they get up real big, I want to see Spencer Rattler, the the true the true freshman um, that they got this past recruiting cycle. He'll be the first starting quarterback for Lincoln Riley in three years that hasn't been a transfer so I am really looking forward to seeing if it's really Lincoln Riley or it's just he's really good at getting talented guys from other places and while I do think that Oklahoma has had a history of talented quarterbacks I I think that we can't overlook um, the wide receiving core especially this year led by CeeDee Lamb Uh, he's a Blitnikoff you know he's in the run for the Blitnikoff this year Uh, last season he had 65 targets for 1200 yards and 11 touchdowns that that is the, those numbers are unreal. Yeah, and I mean, you even can go back to um, Hollywood Brown, who's now at the, with the Baltimore Ravens, and they're just they always have that guy that could take the top off the defense. And I pro- and if you're if you're playing too far off of them, they're gonna run right by you. And it's it's a real problem, especially the way Oklahoma balances the run in the past because they'll take the top off repeatedly. And then once you start kind of trying to stop that by dropping the safeties back and trying to cover, help the cornerbacks, they'll run it right up the middle because they always have a tough physical running back. And it, that's what makes this offense so hard to stop. And I agree. And they have Hazel, a kid named Hazelwood who was a five-star recruit this past cycle that committed to them over the likes of Georgia, Alabama, Clemson. And I think as a true freshman that he actually might be the best wide receiver on this team. Right. Um, and, and they're going against the Houston team, uh, who's obviously struggled since losing Tom Herman to the University of Texas. Uh, last season, they went eight and four, which not, I mean, that's that's not a terrible record by any means. But that I mean, that record comes with one win against a ranked opponent in South Florida <laughs> and one giant loss in their bowl game to Army in the Armed Forces Bowl, 70 yeah. and 14. It was bad. It was it was a tough game to watch. It was very tough. I think that Oklahoma obviously runs away with this game. Um, I don't see. I mean, I, I hope it's a great game, but I, you know, honestly, Oklahoma is Oklahoma, and I think that they're a playoff contender for sure this season. Yeah, I also have Oklahoma, but I have it a lot closer. I have them by seven to ten ish, and I think the difference is De'Aaron King, the quarterback for Houston, is a big sleeper for the Heisman Trophy. He had almost 3,000 yards passing last year and was always the most explosive player on the field, no matter who they played. And I, I, the only reason I consider it a close game is because both these teams 
they're, they're almost replicas of each other with Oklahoma being the blue blood program that has the recruits, the notoriety, and Houston being the little brother of the state. Because if, if you look at last year, Houston was 125th in total defense, while Oklahoma was 124th, right next to each other. Oklahoma had the number one offense in total yards last year, while Houston had a top 10 offense at number seven. So I think it's they, they're almost the exact same team, just with one team having more notoriety and getting those recruits. So I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game. So I'd say if you're betting, definitely take the over. And I think it's going to be a close shootout, but at the end, Oklahoma's talent is just going to win out. All right, and to close up uh, the opening week, weekend of college football, uh, we have Notre Dame and Louisville on Monday. Um, and if I know anything about Notre Dame over the past few seasons under uh, Coach Kelly, I I would say that they win this game, but they don't cover the spread, actually, against a very weak Louisville team. Uh I have also have Notre Dame. I think they cover it. I think they blow Louisville out. I think they have something to prove this year after getting absolutely demolished by Clemson. I think that was embarrassing for the program. That was embarrassing for everybody involved in that program. The players that returned, the head coach, the offensive coach. I mean, everybody should be absolutely embarrassed that they got beat 30-3 to on the national stage and didn't even look competitive. So I really think they come out this year on a mission, and the first victim is Louisville, and I think they absolutely blow the lid off of Louisville, even though even though they're always that team that never lives up to their expectations. But I also think that could be because their expectations are just always too high. Right. Um, and, and this is, once again, this is a Louisville team that has uh, that is coming off of a 2-10 and ten season, the worst in recent memory. Um uh, but this is a Louisville squad that I think will be uh, headed by inside linebacker C.J. Avery, who led the team in tackles last season with 56, uh, two and a half of those for a loss, half a half a sack and two interceptions. And, and honestly, those aren't impressive numbers. But, the, it, you know, when you're comparing it to the rest of this Louisville squad, I, I think that this uh, this is the guy to turn it around if anybody is. Yeah. And I. For me, I think the player to watch this game is Ian Book, the quarterback, number 12 for Notre Dame. The offense is going to go as he goes. At their high points last year when they beat Michigan and all that, he wasn't playing. But as the season went on, he really grew in and took over that starting spot. And I think this year is going to be his coming out party. And I actually think he ends up being a finalist in New York for the Heisman. Also in Notre Dame's backfield, we see Jafar Robinson. Uh, he's a sophomore running back. Uh, came to Notre Dame as a receiver, actually. And so that's why we see the numbers that he puts up. Last season, he had 72 carries for 383 yards and seven touchdowns. Not only that, but 14 receptions for 160 yards. Um, I, I could see him being uh, definitely a dual threat in in Notre Dame's uh, backfield. Um, I think that he'll be a very consistent target. Uh, this year running out of the backfield. Yeah, I, I really think that this whole Notre Dame team is going to be a lot better than people think. I think I think a lot of people live to hate Notre Dame, and so seeing them get beat 30-3 to just gave them more motivation to feed into this fact that they're not talented. So I really think this team is going to compete down to the wire to get into the playoffs. Right. 
but but this is a team that lost 30-3 to a Clemson team who blew Alabama out of the water in last year's national championship, and I think that we overlooked that a lot. Yeah, that, that's, what, that's, that's what I think. I mean, I think a lot of people, some people have toned it down because they realize that, you know, this Clemson team put 44 on Alabama and shut out Alabama in the second half of the national championship. That Absolutely. Is, that, that is unheard of. And I think <laughs> I, and I think people forget so like forget that Notre Dame was in this Clemson game until the second half. Clemson pulled away late in the end in the second half when they started clicking. And it just a lot of people didn't look at that rationally and just were like, oh my gosh, 30 to 30 to three in the playoff. And they didn't realize that that Clemson team was something special. No, that's absolutely right. Um, and this is a Notre Dame team that's coming off of an impressive season last year uh, with obviously a loss to Clemson in the college football semifinal. Um, I, I could see them finishing in the top 10 this season. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if they'll be in the playoff again, but I, I do think this is a team to watch for. Uh, so that's it for our college football preview for this weekend. Um, Sunday, we'll, we're going to give a whole, we're going to give a wrap up of all the games this weekend, even some games we didn't cover that might have caught our eye and everything. We're also going to predict the SEC season. We're going to give you full standings for both divisions and what we see happening in the SEC. And we're also going to, re- we're also going to release our own top 25 rankings. Um, we'll, we'll do it all this Sunday when the new rankings come out and everyone has a chance to kind of digest what happened this weekend. Right. Um, and for future reference, uh, we are recording this podcast a day late, uh, a day later than we would usually like to. This podcast will be regularly released uh, with a, you know, a preview to the weekend coming out each Thursday um, and a wrap up that comes out on Sundays. And we will try to keep this as consistent as we can. Um, but, yeah, hopefully uh, I'm glad we got this started. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. And. Looking forward to a good college football season, and um, we'll keep new things coming to you guys constantly with different predictions for each conference, and we'll release our playoff predictions when that gets closer, and we'll have new content and things for you guys to look out for as the season goes on. All right. Uh, So thank you for listening to our first episode, and we will see you again on Sunday.